it was almost like on Futurama, you know, with like the, the floating heads. Yes, of course. <laughs> so like Dan, Dan Bronstein, who's the guy that uh, does all our stuff, you know, Dan's head's just floating in the Zoom there. Right. And I was like, I miss you. And we're like kind of hanging out, I guess. Yeah. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. You got Bev's to check. I'm, I got I'm sure. I got some Bev's over here. Okay, yeah, you're you're waiting for the debut of that. <laughs> They're off camera right now. Um, cool. Yeah. Without further ado, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure podcast. I am pleased to welcome um, the bass player, um, the rumble from down under of Spirit Box, uh, Bill Crook. Thanks for coming on the show, my guy. Dude, thanks for having me. I feel like we've been trying to navigate this for a little bit. Yeah, no, I I, I felt I feel very fortunate to have you on. Uh, we've been trying to lock down a time there's been some rescheduling and you've been very patient and, and down with the, the sickness and you know, getting getting things uh, ready for this. Um, you know, very ironically, um, I'm, I'm not sure how apparent it will be. And I'm just giving full transparency because that's what I'm all I'm all about. Um, I got a little bit of a flu, I think from um, a recent camping trip. So there might be some muted sneezing from my end. So I'm not just dripping like a faucet while Bill and I are chatting. Uh, but aside from that, I think I'm just going to let him kind of take the conversation and kind of cue him up because I think there's a lot of really cool things that you're doing and uh, people I'm sure are going to be very excited to hear us chat today. I hope so. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, you know, for the few folks at home who might not know who you are, do you want to give a proper intro of uh, what you do in heavy music and uh, I guess the positions as far as what instrumentation you're, you're, you're doing? Um, yeah, um, like my name's Bill Crook. Um, I live in Vancouver, BC. Um, I grew up here in the Fraser Valley. Um, I play in a band called Spirit Box that's based out of Victoria. Um, I've been playing in bands since I was about 17 years old. And as soon as I, basically as I graduated high school, we started hitting the road and it really wasn't probably until like 2016, 20, around maybe yeah, 2015, 2016 that I took a break from music, but I'm right back into it now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, looking back at your discography, like, um, obviously your time in textbook, I, I got some questions cause I think when I was first getting into heavy music, like those bands, um, like textbook and fallen Archaea and the fallacy were all, uh, bands that I was like, kind of like looking up as kind of a youngin in, in my field. So definitely want to chat about that. Uh, obviously, there's lots to talk about Spearbox. Um, but before we chat music, we got to chat Bev's. Um, yeah. Bill and I have been in the DMs constantly about different Bev things that he's checking. And I, I know that he's about it. So I'm really excited what he's going to be bringing on the show today. So this is, this is like really special for me. So um, there's like this bodega there's this new, new kind of thing in vancouver where there'll be these like fancy bodegas with like rare drinks and snacks and so this one just opened up across the street from my house and i hadn't been in there yet but they have like shoes 
and Funko Pops. And today I was like, man, I got to find something good for the app. And I'm like, oh, I should go into that place because I, I haven't been in there yet. It was mm-hmm. hilarious. Super sick store. It's called Lucky's Bodega if you live in Vancouver. But I was so pleased to find the coveted Topo Chico. The coveted. <laughs> so I did find the regular mineral, the mineral water flavored um, at Taco Fino uh-huh. uh, in Vancouver. But they have a lemon lime, a tangerine, and a grapefruit. They, the mandarin is my favorite, but... The lemon lime is really good. And this, I don't know what it is about this stuff. It's so crazy, but like, it tastes like almost like soda, you know, like on LaCroix or on some other stuff, you get that weird aftertaste. Sure. Still. Yeah. Like no. people always joke that LaCroix is like, oh, it's like a hint of, you know what I mean? It's a whisper of the flavor. <laughs> this right. tastes like, right. Like straight up. So. Yeah. No, it, it's funny that you say that. I think there's a really famous uh, LaCroix meme where it's like, uh, like one drop of lime juice as like their lime flavor or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely like, it's, it definitely was, it got me in the door and some of that sparkling water um, connoisseur nature that, that I'm, that I'll, that I'm all doing now, but you know, it, it's clearly kind of exited as far as a normal thing that I keep in the fridge. Um, and I don't, I don't like sparkling water. Like we have one of those ones where you at our house where you like, you know, like, oh, you, like the soda streams, soda stream, mm-hmm um sonny does one like my, my wife's all about sparkling water and i do not like it but i i had tried this and like i said it tastes more like a soda i think it's because it's like natural carbonization through the minerals or something but it's gotcha. it's crazy dude yeah you might, you know, if, uh, oh yeah go go away i i know some people I'm come on the show already like the bevs are already like half drank i was like you're, you're not gonna open it on the podcast like come on um so uh, if, if my shirt wasn't a dead giveaway, um, we're checking a new level, which nice. is a, uh, brewery here in Calgary that we're sponsored by. Um, uh, this is their like craft soda. So they started doing these in like the pandemic. Um, so this is their first flavor that they did, but they actually just dropped a, it's like a mocktail mule. Um, so it's like a non-alcoholic kind of like Moscow mule style. So there's like some like, wine and ginger, gingery. Yeah, yeah, there's some ginger and lime in there. So uh, I haven't gone and, and picked that up, but, you know, probably probably one of the last one, not the last one, uh, but, you know, it's cool now that they have a mix of two different flavors versus, like, I've been sending people there and uh, the pineapple one is the only one that they had at the time. So, you know, big things for the soda. For <laughs> yeah, good. I almost went for the pineapple with Fanta today, but then I saw the topo. It was, like, hidden in the corner. Yeah, like Topo is like one of those things where um, it doesn't seem like it's fully hit a lot of like the Western Canada uh, accessibility. So as soon as I can get me a grapefruit Topo Chico, like it it might be game over. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the only reason I know about it is just because we were down in the States recording and I have, you know, you see it all your... California friends on Instagram posting about it all the time. And I was like, oh, yeah. was one of the things I knew I had to do when I went down there. Yeah. Yeah. Like any, like it's been multiple times when I've had an American guest, they're like, oh, gotta have the Topo Chico. And it's like, it, it seems like one of those things, like, like a toy that I just haven't been able to play with yet, you know, like, but like, yeah. it seems like it's 
like everywhere down in the States. So shout out to Topo Chico, just, you know, starting yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bill. Like... weird, man. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no, no you go. No, I, I'm oh, down to chat like, Bev's for as long as we want. Oh, yeah. We'll have that for a bit. <laughs> But so there was like Vons in the States, which is like, I'm sorry to the people, like people in the, in America, we have completely different grocery stores. Oh yeah. Zones, right. So Vons is kind of like Saveway. And then, Oh, what was the other big one? Oh, Ralph's. Mm, yeah. And that was like its own thing. And so we were way out in the middle of the desert recording in, um, uh, outside of Joshua tree. And they had a Vons there, and Vons didn't carry Topo, of course. Oh, no. Vons so, messing but, it up. Yeah, but if we, I mean, we had to go into into town a couple times, and then we would we would get a couple cases, but they would they would last, like, one day. Because you get a 12 case, <laughs> and everybody has four, you know? Right. Yeah, like, I can't even imagine when, um, you know, I'm able to be in a, a normal like podcast studio and we just have fridges how it's just gonna be so easy to be like yo throw me another one and then it's gonna be like oh shit we gotta you know talk about some new bev sponsorship agreements because i'm kerning through these a little too fast um just because we're on the topic um yeah there's definitely a lot of chains and corporate entities that are just like nine like not nine day differences but they're just like we as Canadians know them so well, but like all the Americans are like, wait, like what? So like, I, like, I was just thinking, like, I don't think that there's like shoppers drug mart in like the States, mm-hmm. but like CBS and Walgreens. Yeah. I was going to say Walgreens is kind of the equivalent of that. So yeah. I was going to ask you if there's any, any like big corporate chain for anything, whether it's like a drug store, a grocery store, even a fast food place that you would like, like hard swap with something up here in Canada. Like, you know, oh you, my God. if you had the power to do that, who would you uh, send away and who would you send in? Oh, I would send away. And you know what? It breaks my heart to say this, but it's just been getting worse and worse and worse over the years is Tim Hortons, <laughs> you know, and I want to support it obviously, but it's right. just like, it's sometimes, and, and you know, the coffee is, is kind of whatever, but you know, you get the, it's so all be like, I won't get the food for a while. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a chance. And then I'm just like, why did I do that again? Like, you know, like, like, yeah. So like, you would probably have to bring in like the equivalent of that would probably be Duncan's that you would yeah. be bringing in. Yeah. Yeah. They got way better food. And like, it's, 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 here's the thing is that it's equally as like equal quality, but it just like tastes better. Yeah. Yeah. I've had uh, like cult Duncan fans here on the podcast and I'm just like, Tim Hortons is kind of the, of that same caliber, but like it's really like nosedived as far as quality and just yeah. things that they're focused I hear, on. I hear a lot of, of, of like of, of tough things because like the, there's one right across the street from my house and the lady's like, yeah, it's like really tough. Like this lady owns the franchise. She's like, we're only allowed to buy this stuff and these cleaning products. And I'm like, yeah. And I mean, you know, it is. Oh interesting yeah really tough. like everything that you use in the store has to be bought from the warehouse or bought from the company you know okay. what i mean but i mean you know just like the, the sandwiches and the grilled cheese or i mean the soup's pretty hard to mess up but sandwiches aren't <laughs> good and they were you know they were kind of doing well for a while they were bringing in like i think they brought in either beyond meat or impossible they brought in like subs like plant-based subs even for breakfast stuff they had like 
kind of like these weird little chicken burgers and stuff for a while. And then it all went away. Like, yeah, because I think I think it was, you know, if if we're looking at the plant based, you know, overall timeline, A&W got the first kind of like Beyond Meat Burger, you know, the world was exploding and going crazy and you know they were selling out and then i think it was tim horns that was next in line that did the beyond sausage and then i think mm. AW sh- shortly followed suit of that but now i'm pretty sh- like it, you couldn't get it at AW, and now i know you can't get it at tim tim horns like tim horns even did like the beyond meat burger which i thought was like kind of a strange move really weird. yeah, yeah. They would be burgers <laughs> but like they were at least trying something new but i mean limited stuff like when you have like a little toaster and a little microwave you can't really like make a lot of stuff i know that the um the a and w's in british columbia still carry the beyond stuff oh okay they do anyway um because i have a lot i'm not plant-based myself but like a lot of my friends are and Mm. i totally enjoy that experience when i'm like when when i go eat with them so i like to try everything and you know it's like it's cool that you can just go to A&W and, and get whatever you want. But I know that in the prairies, they got rid of it, but I'm pretty sure they still, they still have yeah, it. Yeah, in Calgary, they just have the the burger, but not the uh, the breakfast sandwich, which, which sucks because that was a go-to when I like, was yeah, working those. Yeah, the stage one or whatever, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, Tim Hortons, like, I, I've been – you know, eating that, like, when I was in high school, like, over 10 years ago now, and, like, I would even get mad at them when they would, like, discontinue certain, like, donut flavors. I'm like, how are you going to get rid of maple swirl? It's like a Boston cream with, like, a white dip and then maple on top and then, like, maple filling. And, yeah, so, I don't know, like, I'm not trying to, like, not ride for my country and, like, Tim Hortons and all that shit, but, like, there's really nothing, like, that's really catching my eye. Yeah, so no, no shout out to Tim Horns. Um, oh, we would, lo- I would love to see Duncan uh, just flooding the streets all through uh, yeah. the country here. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen one here. I don't even think I've seen a lot of Duncans on the west coast of America. I think it's a really an east coast thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. Sure. I just remember not seeing our our spirit box is like is a very strong Starbucks band. Oh, okay. So, um, but maybe that's just from, from the fact that we also don't, we didn't have them when we were, I didn't see very many when we were in California. So, well, I know, uh, so I just put out a podcast with, uh, Lumpy from Sanction and him, him and I, like we go hard on like the coffee chats and, mm-hmm. you know, Starbucks being based like, or started in Seattle, like obviously there's going to be it's going to be dominant on that side of the country but duncan started in boston i believe he said so obviously there's going to be a lot more of that um throughout there so yeah we're uh you know now we're just getting into like coffee like industry and and placements and all that kind of stuff um but um yeah let's let's chat about some music um yeah (laughs) you're like oh yeah that's what we're here to do um so so bill um any new guests that i have here on the show i always like to get some context about how like their origin of how they got into heavy music at first like you know take me back before all the band stuff and tell me like the first time that you heard someone screaming a riff a breakdown and that will help um kind of you know, showcase that like there's all these very um, subtle moments that kind of like really catch uh, people's eyes and, and put them onto this 
kind of subculture. So, uh, yeah, take me back in time and tell me some of those origin moments for you. So I can distinctly remember the first time I heard screaming, like, and like, I had like, I was getting to the age, maybe like 10 or 11, where I was like, you know, like playing around in my room with like the radio. And, you know, there was like a rock station and a pop station, a country station. That's like pretty much it. Right. Um, and I'd heard like some like heavier rock on the radio, which I was like, oh, this is cool. But I think I was about 11, no, maybe 10. I think I was in grade six or seven. And I had gone, my mom dropped me off at the dentist. Okay. And so um, I go up, I'm like, hey, I'm here for my cleaning or whatever. And they're like, yeah, just go sit over there. And, you know, there's like a the little area with the TV. Yes. Oh, like a waiting room, like in a like a dentist or a doctor's office. You know, they're like, oh, no, maybe there'll be a TV or something like. Right. So I just went up to the TV and I turned it on, and I didn't grow up with cable TV. Like I didn't have TV growing up, so whenever I would like get a chance to like, I would like want to see what's on all the channels. So I went to Much Music, and it just so happens it was Freak on a Leash by Corn. (laughs) But as I flipped the channel. To that, it was like the scat part, like, like that was the. So you know, I'm just like, what is this guy doing? Right. You know what I mean? And you know, they had like like their braids, and like they had like a pretty unique style. Mm-hmm. And so it was this really really weird thing that I heard, and I just I watched it, and then the go came in, and I was just like, wow, what is this? Right. And then after that, like, I had a friend turn me on to, like, Limp Bizkit, um, stuff like that. I, I really didn't get into a lot of the more, like, 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 silly stuff, you know? Like, I didn't really think that a lot of the, like, the makeup and the costuming of, like, the new metal was that cool. But I did really enjoy the aggressive side of it, which right. I had never heard anything. And then, um, so, all my friends and I, we were in concert band, jazz band um i started playing piano when i was really young and um i think through like jazz band is where i first heard about like you know like odd time meters and like right just like weird stuff and um my friend nick yakushin he got uh, he was the drummer of our first band he got us into stuff like the dillinger escape plan um botch um to a very degree like between the buried and me and I could identify with that stuff. Cause I kind of was like, Oh, this is cool because this weird timing stuff. Yeah. It's not four, four. I'm, right, I'm right. actually familiar with it though, because you know, a band mm-hmm. and we were just like young little music snobs and like the, the more crazier the stuff we could get into the cooler we thought it was, you know gotcha. what I mean? So yeah. That was basically the, the premise of our first band. Yeah. The text gradually, like our very first stuff that we put out was just all super spaz, weird meter and pattern. And then like a, a five minute jazz breakdown. And that kind of like got that stuff was where I took, where I went musically for the first time as someone playing in a band, but mm. definitely my very first uh, time hearing heavy music was like the corns and the Limp biscuits. Yeah, like I can only imagine you being at the the dentist's office and your mouth hits the floor because you're just seeing the most yeah. ridiculous thing. And then they're like, oh, I don't have to ask you to open your mouth for, you know, the appointment cleaning or whatever. You're just like, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that just always stuck with me, man. Yeah, no, it, it's funny. I just, I had flashbacks um, to like when I would go see my orthodontist uh, when I had braces. And I think that they had 
this little corner because it was like primarily like a kid's orthodontist and they had this little corner where they just had a ton of like ps2s and n64s and you could like this tv was for mario kart and this tv was for spider-man 2 or whatever it is like kind of like probably a bougie ish orthodontist office now that yeah, I'm yeah, about that. <laughs> they're like yeah like if you're gonna be here for you know over two years having braces you might as well play some video games you know slightly in between all that um yeah, yeah but i think you know like shot like it's so apparent with a number of the different people that I've had on the podcast, how it took much music or like um, certain like music video outlets to like just expose them to like that world and, and have it be such a jarring thing where it's like, I have no idea what this is, but I need to know more about it. And it's resonating with me in, in a certain way. Um, and it's strange now, like, you know, like it's very common for people not to watch like normal, like uh, cable TV or things like that. But there's not a normal thing in the heavy music space that's really pushing that as far no, as that means. Yeah, I mean, the only like and, and like maybe it's just a thing from also from being from Canada is that I didn't know um, how big uh, satellite radio is right. and like stations like um, Octane or. Um, uh, sorry, liquid metal. And that is like, and like, you know, shout out to Jose and also Katie, because they have done so much for spirit box by uh, showing us love on there. But yeah, I had no idea how big satellite radio is and how many people um, are into that. Yeah, let, let's head on that a little bit. Um, we're going to be, you know, jumping around different things. But like, um, I know like with a lot of like new stuff that you guys were premiering, like, you know, you would kind of start it there because that seems like a very like th that seems like a huge goal that a lot of like heavier bands would would think. But like, like, can you kind of um, kind of break it down for people? Like, is there like a place in like getting a radio play in, you know, in a 2021 kind of like landscape? I'm not like like you like have to be a little bit more detailed like getting I, a play yeah like, i i think like just you know at least when i was like getting into it like getting a, a radio play with any of my bands seemed a unattainable and b like is there attention there because i'm always thinking about how you know even just stuff with like scoped how like where's the attention and where can i like put content yeah. into so i i'm just yeah, kind of sure. like curious if you can kind of like speak to some of those things as someone who has had a radio play and seen the benefits of what that's done for your band. I think it's incredible. Like, like it's the same kind of thing, how I would say, like I, uh, how I found heavy music because it made it accessible because it was on TV. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, you know, most people have serious in their vehicles and stuff like that. You know, they can turn on and flip to the metal station and then, what is this and look at the screen and see what it is like mm -hmm. um it's awesome and i know it works because it'll be like people maybe i went to high school with family members um people that i met through cutting hair and they're like i heard your band on sirius xm mm -hmm. and i'm like wow this is so sick you know what i mean like especially as as guys like us who have come from mostly like the diy and independent music scenes mm -hmm. it's like you can really tell it's working when you have like your uncle send you a screenshot in the truck of like your song, it's like, it's, right. it's so, 
Well, it's super amazing, man. I have so much gratitude and I'm so thankful that we've been giving those opportunities. It's super sick. Yeah. I think, I think it's just maybe, um, there's just been an increased number of different avenues that you can premiere your music or have, you know, different things. Like I saw, I saw it on my stories today where th there's a band called Purgatory and I guess Jamie Josta of Hatebreed had played that on like one of his like listening podcasts or his radio show. And like, you know, they like tweeted at him like, oh, this is so sick. And like those, that's like a huge difference as far as band popularity is concerned. But like, you know, there's things like that where it's like, you know, different like influencers in the heavy music space can, you know, do a review, like even like having someone like Anthony Fantano, which is like a YouTuber to like do like a, something of that. It's just like that wasn't even in the cards 10 years ago. But now there's all these different avenues that bands can take to like, again, push it out. And, you know, like it is it is cool to see that radio still has a place. Um, and, and it's probably because it's like, you know, Sirius XM or um, liquid metal is like a curated thing. It's not just like we're playing all these random things from the ethos that, you know, kind yeah, of. Yeah, but for sure, like, um, you know, the hosts, they they play what they like stuff they want and what they believe in. And I think that gives legitimate, legitimate, what's the word? Legitimacy. Legitimate, sorry. It gives no, legitimate or, you know, for the for their branding like this right. is like this is what they actually like and they play that and people will, will recognize that and respect that and it's not just like this thing it's like here play the song you know what i mean right. like so that, that's why people connect to maybe influencers and personalities a little bit more because it is real yes mm -hmm. you know 100%. so um we're just really lucky that they connected with our music it's awesome yeah. So yeah, let, let's, you know, kind of shift back. We we're kind of jumping ahead of time. Now let's go back in time. Um, so you kind of mentioned some of the the moments as far as like first hearing heavy music, when was kind of the first moments as far as like, oh, this is something that I can actually do myself and, uh, you know, do with my friends and, and start band stuff. You, you know what? It's just like playing music is I've never done sports. Um, I'm kind of into video games a little bit nothing too crazy but like playing music is kind of all i've ever known and anything I've, it's all i've ever done mm -hmm. whether it was piano or guitar or bass and it was just such a natural transition because we started our first band together in high school and then that band started doing western canada tours that turned into national tours then you know we went overseas and then that band broke up and i had like two months and then i joined living with lions so mm -hmm. it's just it's just was a very natural progression. Um, I think it's the same too with, with Mike and Michael and Courtney, they just all were just like, Hey, let's do this. This is what we want to do. I think, I don't even think Michael was out of high school yet when he started touring with Fallen Archaea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it's always been such a big part of me. And I think that probably some of the, the toughest times in my life was when I wasn't playing music for a little bit. So. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's awesome to be doing it again. I, and I didn't realize how much I was going to miss it. But. Yeah. Um, so, so correct me if I'm wrong, but textbook tragedy was like one of the major projects that you were doing uh, around that time frame. Uh, yeah. And so we started that band, I want to say in maybe like the first incarnation of that band, maybe in 2002, 2003, mm -hmm. uh, we re released our first record in 04. And then we had, I think it was in 2006 or seven, our first full length came out on distort 
and then we did another EP and then we broke up. Mm-hmm. So, but we were a band for, I don't know, like from whatever you, you want to say, like the first time we jammed as like a four piece to where we ended. Yeah. Um, it was, it was quite a while. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I was kind of, kind of curious because when I was first getting into like the, oh, these are bands from like my neck of the woods in Western Canada, like that band, Fallen Archaea, like, like a ton of different projects. I definitely went, I think a little bit more of the, I guess like the melodic side, like growing up in the church, I listened to like a lot of means growing up and kind of like watched a lot of those bands that were on face down. But as far as like crazier, like metal bands like it almost seemed like that genre like that subgenre was kind of dominating a lot of what was happening in western canada and nowadays you don't really see as many like that's not the popular style of music that bands are playing so is that a little surreal for you to kind of have been around for so long that you've seen all these different waves of um you know i guess like not like popular but just like trends of like oh these bands are playing with this many uh strings on their guitar and and now they're not or whatever it is yeah it's it's interesting like the bands like i think of now that are kind of bringing that earlier 2000s ross sound back like when like when i think of like post when you say post hardcore Mm -hmm. it's like not so much the bands like the thursday and stuff like that but um if i think of like i don't know like botch or something like that or even like really early or any converged stuff right you know what i mean like that really crazy thrashy raw sound i feel like i am seeing that come back mm-hmm. as a lot of the like low just like low tuning kind of jun 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 stuff is kind of come and stayed and done its own thing right where i'm seeing like like you know even like i guess could you classify like cu space cowboy in kind of that yeah i feel like i feel like they definitely put their own spin on that and they're pulling from a number of different things but yeah i feel like they could probably fall into that you know what i mean that that vibe of like doing your own thing and not really like trying to be like oh we're this band and this band and this band and just kind of going out like that's that energy and that vibe i get out but i don't really like as far as like when textbook was going in western canada you know, like you said, the, there's the Fauci, um, Harris on a Tuesday. I think that was the name of the band. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if this band was from Western Canada, but like, uh, uh, like Horizons uh, was another yeah. band. Yeah, they were from a band. Um, um, Elijah, do you remember that band? Yep. Uh, Gabrielle's band, like they were, they were like pretty tech band. And then as far as like the out east, I guess they like Stray Reason Line, the end. Um, uh, Sight for Sewn Eyes, and then of course like counterparts. Textbook Trash never, never. I don't think we played with counterparts. Like maybe once, but mm-hmm. I don't think we did. But I think if anything, it's like those guys that are still like waving the flag. Yeah, I guess. I guess yeah. Text or not textbook. Counterparts has been a band long enough that they were playing with. I guess those bands, and I think maybe they just had enough. Like everyone, it sounds like majority of those bands had like hardcore backgrounds, but like that band has really like just continued to to go and crush it and and still maintain that like like melodic, but like still have like the crazy. That was always the thing. Like for me with that band, it was just having all these like ridiculous like parts that were only there for maybe eight seconds, and then it's on to the next yeah. ridiculous part. <laughs> and then of course, like there's we have like misery signals, right? Which like right. influence like every 
metalcore kid from here to the moon so <laughs> yeah that's right yeah so, yeah and that's that's been crazy seeing the trajectory of you know how that band you know with different vocalists has have kind of like changed and the the latest record is uh, a slam dunk as well yeah it's amazing um so okay so like do you feel like textbook is really where it's like this that was the first band that was like really like you know going out hitting hitting the ground running and doing the band stuff that you're like like you were saying like this this is all i've ever known for the majority of my life and that was kind of the moments in that band to kind of really cement uh, a lot of you know things for the foreseeable future absolutely like when when we were out doing that i knew that i wanted to to play music and mm. i would kind of do whatever it took to you know working kind of like whatever job at home so i could you know it's the same thing as i think most guys feel about like we just would do anything we could to like make it work you know yeah so um so you you started doing the the living with line stuff which i think was actually um like i was mentioning this before the pre uh the call um i think the first time that we probably have crossed paths but maybe didn't have a you know a one-on-one -on -one conversation or any conversation for that matter was when uh living with lions played the dpk five year and I, mm. I filmed all the bands that year and like i remember specifically like where i was angled and you your mic was like essentially like right, right, right you, center yeah. so i was like oh man this like uh I think uh, I was really enjoying some of your uh, your your melodies. I was like, yeah, this this guy can can really sing, and he's got the dingwall bass. Like that's so sick. Um, and then it was only, I guess, you know. So that was like, um, that was beginning of 2019, and now being in 2021, uh, Spirit Box is kind of like the main thing that you're involved in. And and I know that that band had had kind of been. It's it's spirit box is kind of one of those things, and and I find I find a lot of bands that ha have a viral moment kind of get put into this weird thing where a lot of new fans will come at a moment, um, and they'll be like, oh, this is a new band, but not maybe think, oh, this band has actually been going around since 2017. So, tell me kind of the origin story as far as spirit box is concerned, and then we can kind of transition into some of the I guess recent things that have really exploded the band over the last couple of years yeah um so obviously Mike, michael and courtney uh started writing for spirit box i i want to say 2017 yeah he, i'm probably he was working on that stuff a lot earlier yeah but i remember that their that first ep came out in october of i believe 2017 um and in the summer Courtney had hit me up because we had met like years before. Like I had actually, I'd met Michael in Airdrie, Alberta at a concert. Um, really? where textbook was playing with textbook was playing with, uh, FIA and dude, Mike, like Michael, he, he's like, he's a tall guy. He's like ripped and like big guy, but he's, he was like a teenager, like maybe 16 or 17. And he came up to me and he was like, Hey, he's like, will you check out my band? And he gave me a CD at the show. And I said, Let's go. I'm like, come back to my van, little guy. <laughs> I will listen to it. And I, I sat there and I listened to this, the first uh, FIA record. It has like a house on it or something. Mm. Um, and that's where we met. And then I met Courtney um, after a show in Victoria um, in like the, like a couple years later. 
And we like, you know, we kept in contact a little bit. And so, sorry, that summer, the summer before the Spirit Box EP came out, Courtney hit me up a text. I'm like, hey, long time, no chat. Um, I've been working on some new music. Um, I'd just love to get your feedback on it. Mm, and I was okay. like, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to hear it, obviously. And they sent it, to, they, I remember she's like, send it to me right away. And I was like, I don't know if I was at work or I was doing something and I like kind of slipped my mind for, for a couple days. And then um, I was like, oh, I should like listen to this thing. And I put it on and I was just like immediately blown away by, I never really heard anything like it. Right. And like the immersion of like where it took me, I, I was just flabbergasted. And I wrote her out this like eight paragraph thing about how great I thought it was. And she thought it was so funny because they thought I just blew it up. Like it was just like, nah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is so cool. I'm like, I was like, I was obsessed with it when I heard it. And <laughs> I was like, so who's in the band? Like what's, what's going on? They're like, oh, we have some people from the States that are going to be playing with us. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, well, like if you ever need someone to jam with, like, yeah. let me know. And, um, I believe it was in later January or February following the release. I was actually coming home from a funeral from a friend of mine who had passed away from an overdose. And he, he was a really cool guy. And he was, uh, he wanted to be uh, like a actor. Like he, I mean, he was like, I did a little bit of stand up comedy. I don't know. He was like in his late twenties. But his dream was always to like go down to California and make it. And he would like talk to me a lot about it. And I'd always try to encourage him. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, like I really want to start playing music again. And we always kind of talked about, you know, just like, well, we want to do this and we want to do this. And, and uh, unfortunately he didn't make it. But the day I was coming home from his, his uh, service, Courtney texted me and was like, Hey, do you want to come? jam with us mm. and I was just like and I just like was like yeah like I, and I knew like that from that moment I just knew that like this is what I was going to be doing probably for the foreseeable future in my wow. life like, and we hadn't even yeah we hadn't even seen each other or practiced yet but I, I knew just from that that weird kind of thing that happened that day that it was like what I had to be doing yeah that that's that's crazy like kind of like a textbook sign uh, as far yeah, as like it, it was know. a sign man and it was yeah and i just knew right away i'm like and i hadn't been playing that style of music for years right you know after, like you know i didn't know anything about like the crazy new gear and all that stuff but i just knew like i was like i'm just gonna work my butt off and do whatever it takes to snap myself back into shape yeah yeah because because like you mentioned at the beginning, there was kind of a break between playing uh, music on a regular basis. But yeah, it, it's really cool that, you know, you know, uh, your friend who, who passed away, like just kind of building each other up in this way of like, yeah, like, yeah, like, that should be something that you should, you know, um, should reach for. And I think it's it's one of those things where it's like, um, being prepared is what's the the saying is something to the lines of, um, you know, you know, like there's coincidences, but there's also like realizing opportunities and, and grabbing those when you are like mentally, like you see it and you, you take advantage of it. Yeah. So, and that was, that was more of a coincidence. It was more just like, like a force that was like smacking me in the back of the head right. saying like, are you ready? Like, yeah. 
Yeah. You have to do this. And I knew, I knew right away that I had to do it. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, yeah. There's no questions of like, okay, like what's the practice schedule? Like so, some of those was like, no, this is a gut feeling and I need to just like, you know, take, take, take on that. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. And, and going back to how Courtney had like first sent you the music and then just the timing of things like you didn't listen to. That's a, that's a that lesson. Long, a couple days. And like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like that dramatic, but I think that they thought that I was just going to blow it off. Which right. I think yeah. Funny. But that's a lesson to all the listeners. If you're sending stuff off, like life gets busy, people are doing things and it's not half the time. It's more than half the time. It's not personal. Like sometimes it's like, I will get to it. Like that's happened so many times with, with me where people have like shot me DMS and like, I've totally missed them. And then I, it's like this really cool record that I like genuinely like. And he's like, Oh, I thought you forgot about it. And I was like, no, like literally just didn't see it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just not in front of me half the time. So, okay. So there was like some, some past, uh, I guess like initial meetings and then, you know, you were genuinely a fan of the music. And then there was kind of this, like, you know, uh, sign that it was like, okay, this is something that I should be involved with. Um, so kind of like, what was kind of the, the jumping off point where it's like, okay, now, I, now I'm involved in like the music side of things as far as writing and like, you know, promotional kind of things. Um, like, like what's the, the process of like a spirit box song from, from start to finish. Maybe that's Michael writes all the, Michael writes all the music and, and Courtney writes the lyrics. Um, and it's like, that's pretty much it. Like, okay. <laughs> like it's like, but you know, it's like, I am, I play bass in the band. Like I'm the bass player. Mm. Um, you know, like we, when we do like a lot, like in the past when we did a lot of our own uh, music video stuff, that's where I found like I could really kind of shine and help out. You right. know what I mean? It's like I, I have a supporting role in this band, but I have a lot of, I'm happy to be here and happy to be doing it. Right. And, it's definitely, it's weird because we just started playing shows and then COVID hit. Right. You know what I mean? So, but we, as soon as we all started hanging out with each other, like, you know, I go when there's writing and recording and stuff. Like, I'm always like, I'm like, I'm in the band. Like, I'm going to be there. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I dedicated my life to it. But um, um, as soon as we started hanging out regularly, we just, we just clicked. You know what I mean? Like, so usually I'm just, I'm going to be there for whatever it is, but like, you know, even on like, um, when we do videos and stuff, like, I feel like that's where I can maybe shine a little bit more of like trying to help or like build something for that or something like mm -hmm. the, on Holy Roller, like I built that big wreath thing oh, in my shop. Okay. Yeah. At my shop in Vancouver. And then like, we brought it out to the middle of the field and soak and yeah. You so, know what I mean? So it's cool. Like those are like the kind of like my contributions, you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, yeah. having fun, trying to keep everybody in a good mood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Set in the vibe. That's, that's just as important. Um, Bev, Bev manager for sure. Yes. Yeah. Every band needs a Bev manager. That's, that's an absolute must. Cause otherwise you're going to be like, Oh, like we got this, like, like the, the gas station water bottles and you're like, no, 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 no. Like let's get, let's get a box of liquid death. Let's get a box of this. Let's get some of that. So absolutely every band needs a bev manager for sure um yeah. but what i was i i think um you know how are you were saying like once the band actually started to play some live shows because there are some stuff that i watched 
kind of leading up to this where it's like kind of seeing how you guys perform live and, and all those things. And I think it was, you know, kind of like the upswing was there, but then obviously um, the pandemic hitting was like, okay, this isn't ideal for everyone. And every band has been trying to adjust and adapt to, to the changing environment. So, you know, I want to specifically talk about the Holy Roller, um, I guess, video and song, because I think that was definitely a moment to like really bring more awareness to the band. But maybe as a general question, like how do you what's been like the biggest like thing that as a band that has all this like hype and attention behind it, where it's like, would would this be even further if the pandemic wasn't in the mix or like is is there a lot of attention and awareness because people are stuck at home and they're just seeking for some of those things? Well, that's the craziest thing with this whole thing, right? Like for us, we, I love, I love the band. I love the music. And that's why I joined the band because I was just so in love with like what it, the sound it was creating, you know, and I'm, you know, as people who are, well, as of next week, everyone, will be in their thirties. Michael's turning 30 next week. Courtney's 32. I'm 34. Um, we weren't really planning on being a full-time, like back in the van, right. Go to her crazy. So, you know, when, after we put out the EP and we put out the singles collection, it was designed to like, we do like a single on a video. Um, and even, and then even then, you know, like, you know, touring, I'm sure as you know, is like hard and yes. not cheap, yeah. but especially when you add in things like car payments and mortgages and, you know, there's other people in the mix. It's like, it's, it's a little bit more tough to go out and do those right. shows, you know? So we weren't really, we weren't really sure how everything was going to pan out. And, you know, um, so after the singles, we were like, okay, we're going to go do this tour. We had that after the burial tour and like, we're going to go um, record our record when we come home from that tour. And once the border closed, we couldn't record the record. So um, Holy Roller was going to be kind of like a transitional, like fun song on the record. And we had pretty much everything written, but we're like, well, so like we got to put out another song because mm. we can't put the record out. But as you are saying, like a lot of people are trying to figure out like how to navigate COVID in the situation for us, it was kind of business as usual because we were used to dropping singles and videos. Sure. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? So like as much as it sucked because we obviously wanted to play shows and drop a record, we kind of already had like a system figured out for that. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Holy roller was, it was a really interesting experiment to watch uh, record too, because I think it was like, this was really early in, in the pandemic too. So um, like I didn't go to the Island and like, we were like, you know, everyone was like, stay at home, stay at home. And I shipped my Dingwall out to Michael. Um, he had his, he has, a, he has a studio in, on, in uh, Victoria. Mm -hmm. And so Dan, our producer, like logged in remotely to his pro tools. and was like controlling it. Wow. As Michael was, and then same like so and then for like a microphone and a preamp like they tried to get like the exact same one that he'd have as his studio sure. and so the whole song was like mixed and tracked like the computer was here but dan was controlling it that in la that's crazy over, and then over zoom yes 
And then that's actually how we did Constance too, but it was a little bit later on. Sure. So like I went to the island for a couple days. Um, and I remember I was there for that, but it was just like so weird. Like it was almost like on Futurama, you know, with like the, the floating heads. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, like, Dan, Dan Bronstein, who's the guy that uh, does all our stuff, you know, Dan's heads just floating in the Zoom there. Right. And I was like, I miss you. And we're like kind of hanging out, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, um, but yeah, so we had Holy Roller pretty much ready to go. We're like, hey, why don't we use this song? And then so we recorded it from the demo. Cordy did it. Um, then that was sometime in the summer when in the summer in BC, I'm not sure how it was um, in a lot of other places, but um, when the restrictions had let up a bit and we could have the, what we call our safe six, our group of six. Right. Okay. Um, we got together and like you know we kind of had like workshops some ideas about what we wanted to do but i built that wreath and then um, michael borrowed a camera from someone and he put that video together and edited it and wow so man so like yeah like there's there's you know as far as you know the band is concerned like that that whole process sounds as do as diy as it gets like to have like your producer like through like you know hacking into the matrix network to be able to like fine-tune things versus him being there or, or things like that but then also like on the aspects of you know trying to manage things in this you know covid world because i think you know being in this ship for like more than a year now people have all have made their own i guess um understandings with like what they are personally comfortable with but at the time there was a lot of unknown and scarcity so it's like no i am gonna stay home and and not do shit or see other people or i'm only gonna see these people so you know to hear like you you guys like building and shooting and editing everything on your own um just to have something where it's like okay like we need to drop some music we're gonna make it happen that's that's diy as fuck in my opinion Hell yeah, man. And like I said, like, you know, probably budget, fully budget for the Holy Roller video was maybe $800 or something like that. <laughs> you know? like, and that like includes gas and like me getting white spot on the ferry and stuff. Right. right. Yeah. That's so funny. Okay. So yeah. Cause I, cause I had heard through some of those means how difficult that video was, I guess like before the, the actual explosion of how viral that song became like, when when you guys like you know heard the written material and started to record it, w was there something in the back of my mind that you were like, I think this is gonna be big from the band? Because I've heard that from some people where you know like um, Jeremy from Comeback Kid, when they were recording that, he was like, Yeah, this is gonna be a song. This is gonna be like a huge. And now now that's the the song that that band is wildly known for. Did you think Holy Roller was gonna be the song that you know when when people were like, Oh yeah, I've heard of Spirit Box, that Holy Roller song. I, I don't know. Like all I knew when I heard it, I was like, this is so dope. And this is different than anything I've ever heard. You right. know what I mean? And I just like, I'm like, I hope people like this. Cause I think it's like sick as hell. Right. So, um, you guys, it wasn't like, like, ah, you it know? was just like, yeah, this is another one of our good songs that, uh, so, so you guys, you know, put out the video and it clearly has like gone into the ethos as far as like awareness and things like that. Um, do, is there anyone specifically that you know has either shared the video, heard the song, or shouted it out that you're like, I had no idea that you would care about my small little band from Vancouver? 
Oh, for sure. And it's like, it's, 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 it's shocking. Like some of the, um, and some of these like big reaction channels that you see on, on YouTube, which is a, another like crazy thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that's its own beast for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the craziest one I think I saw, it wasn't like, it was, it was like one of, uh, Courtney's, um, like, uh, live playthroughs that she does when she sings a song, uh, was, uh, Tommy Lee, like, Posted, like video recorded it and had it on his Instagram story. That's so crazy. Like Motley Crue telling me, which is like, it, but I was like, whoa, that's, that one's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Not even someone in like the necessarily like the, I guess like, yeah, Motley Crue is like a metal band, but like, they're almost like in that like rock world, but like. They're rockers and yeah. they're rockers. That is, yeah, that is super, super nutty. So. That was the one i think i saw yeah so obviously like that has you know i i think it's very safe to say that that song had changed a lot of things for the band um so now you know you guys are signed to rise records and have like two singles out under that label circle with me like hit a million video plays in like a week which like rightly so that that video is badass and the song is badass so like overall, like I've been talking about you guys on the podcast and really saying like, this is a huge thing for like Western Canada music because we don't have like that next really big band from here. I feel like you guys are in that area and you know, people are like, they're from like, what's this little Island and where is that? So like, is there like, how has that been where you're kind of like, kind of being, um, getting to to be a representative for like the overall like half of our country as far as heavy music heavy music is concerned well first of all thank you very much for, for saying that because that that means a lot um it is the, to be honest like the whole thing even from like when we put out this our, our that song blessed be we put that one out the day we were leaving for our europe tour and i kind of knew that that's I kind of had a feeling that things were going to start picking up when we put that song out. And then, and you know, it was like, um, well-received. And then the Holy Roller thing was obviously super crazy too. Right. But, um, it's, um, it's a good feeling, man, because I feel like everyone in our band also has been doing this for so long that, um, you know, it feels right. Mm Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just seeing, I'm eating. No, no, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, yeah, it's like, it's just like, even, even as you, as you just explained it to me, I was like, wow, you know, that is a, that is a nice, and it is a crazy feeling. Um, It's, it's really hard to to say though, because everyone's like, whoa, it's, your band is doing so good, it's so crazy. I'm like, thank you. But it just, it's still such a weird thing because since all this stuff started happening, we haven't played any concerts. Right. So I don't know what to expect for when we start gigging yeah right yeah th- that that's always been the thing that i've noticed that that there's a lot of i think that there's a lot more people who are willing to check out new music right now because that is and, and i've talked about this before that is like a discipline that you almost need to put into practice sometimes because i know a lot of people who are just not good at like checking out all the new releases i like like if, if, if this is a humble brag or anything, it's like, because what I do with scoped, it's like, I'm always just looking for new stuff to either feature or, or talk about. So I think a lot of bands have had the, these like huge explosions and things like that. So it's, it is, 
it's going to be really interesting to see how people are going to execute that in a live setting once shows. Yeah. Come, when shows. Yeah. Come. And going back, sorry, I kind of got away from this, but going back to the thing is that, like I said, is that like Holy Roller wasn't supposed to be a single. Right. Right. But we were like, you got it. Like, they're like, we're like, this is cool. Let's put this out. We got to put something out. And then, so with the combination of that song, people like loving it. And then also being more around their devices and looking for new, like looking for new music and new video and stuff like that. Like that definitely shaped a lot of, of our path moving forward from that point. Yeah. And, and, and I think it may be it's and and I've talked about this before where like, sometimes we think one thing and then the market will take it in a, in an entirely different direction. There's been multiple projects that I've been in where I'm like, this is the song that, you know, the, the room opens up and people go crazy for, but then it actually becomes the other song or like, this is the podcast that like is really gonna, you know, take the channel to the next level. And then it's something entirely different. So I'm, I've always, you know, trying to humble myself to like what the market or the viewers or the people on the other end of this are, um, are telling me. Cause I feel like that information is far more valuable than like you trying to like decipher, okay, why didn't this thing that I put so much like heart and energy into not take off the way that I wanted it to when something yeah. literally on the other side is like going miles beyond what you would have hoped for. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, that's the thing too, is why you just got to put it out and hope for the best because, you know, if you really think like, this is the one, this is going to change my life this, this, and, it, and it doesn't work out. It's like, you know what I mean? It could rip you apart, but you just, if you think about that stuff, you're not going to stay focused and try to keep going. Yeah. I, I, I'm a firm believer of, of, of like, you know, you actually learn more from like your losses like you retain yeah. more information from that. Like, how can I take things that gave me the L to, to get into a W and like, um, you know, like with, you know, yourself and Mike and Courtney being in so many different bands from your past. Now it's like, okay, now things have actually clicked and, you know, we're, we're into our thirties now, but like now, like this is something that I can like take part in. Um, has that been kind of, a strange thing for you because because i feel that on like a much smaller scale like the, the the band that i'm a part of right now like i'm 28 and like i feel like this is the most attention that i've gotten for from any music venture so like like you were saying like it's you know there's way more things as you get older in the mix of that so is there like this pressure at the back of your head of like i don't know if i can go as hard when i was in like my early 20s when i was doing stuff with textbook or, you know, uh, other bands, but like now it feels like there's even more attention from when I had the access to, uh, to do those things. Does that make sense? I, yeah, no. And, and like for me, for me personally, I can only speak for myself, um, out of, and I'm speaking on the scale of anyone else I've ever played in a band with sure. too, is that like I've learned from my personal mistakes, um, whether it had been anywhere in life, or like playing shows, touring, and that has made me into like a much better musician and also as a better like coworker for people in the group, you know? Absolutely. And yeah. I don't think that if I was handed this or given this opportunity five or 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Right. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit calmer, a, a little bit, and a little bit more responsible. Um, you know, like I like even, I, you know, to do this stuff like 
I take exercising seriously, which I never have in my life. And like, I don't like personally enjoy exercising, but it's no something I know it's something I have to do to get ready to start playing these shows and like regular practicing, you know, try to practice. Like my goal is to practice two hours a day, um, which can be tough when you're like working a lot and stuff, but um, just being conscious of the things that didn't work for me in the past have made it. So I have succeeded in what I've done, been doing so far. Yeah. And that's been like super pivotal, pivotal and like important for me to acknowledge that stuff and think about that, you yeah. know? Yeah. I think like it's, I think when I was growing up and getting like, just seeing a lot of the bands involved, it was such like a young person's game. Like, Oh, all these band people are the same, like the same age as, as me. And I'm just like, like going to high school but everyone else is doing that and i think everyone has their own path and and things like that but um like i do think it is cool to kind of showcase like every every project that you're involved with you take the lessons from those bands and apply to the next thing and i think like taking all that the next thing always has like a way stronger start because like you know there's there's no time to mess around and like you know and play some games because it's like we're, we know what we want to do and you you can just get off to the races at that point. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super thankful for every experience I've had in all my music. Like I, I really, I like, there were some, you know, some rough times, but also some really good times, but I wouldn't change any of that because it brought me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. And that's, so it's like super, super important. Like all these lessons, the good ones and the bad ones I've had to learn. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, you guys signed to rise you put out two singles. Um, the singles have like a very similar like album artwork theme. So in you know if I'm just like uh, trying to think about what this could be, I think those would be two songs. It would be I guess what would be on the debut LP of what you guys do. Um, I think in the process of like booking this um, podcast, you guys got stuck down in the states. Um, we, we, we weren't stuck, but um, the, the issue was, so we were, um, like I said, the only way we could get together to record, because our producer Dan couldn't come up to Canada, because people from America still can't come, come up right. to Canada right now, um, was we would go down there, and we thought that the safest and best way to do it would just to be, it goes to somewhere very remote instead right. of going to LA. So we rented, we rented a rancher house um, outside of Joshua Tree. So flew into Palm Springs and then I drove about an hour and a half into Joshua tree, which is where we would like go for groceries and stuff. And then it was about another 30 or 40 minute drive out to a, um, to the area we were staying and, um, you know, on Airbnb, you're, you're like, Oh, is the Wi-Fi good? And it's like, you know, it's like your auntie or something like, Oh, the Wi-Fi is great. Like, yeah. you know, unless, unless it's windy, then it kind of goes out and we're like, that's kind of a weird right. thing. And it was weird too, because, as we were driving by, there was like signs up, like warning, like live wire area. Cause they were putting in fiber optic out to this area. Oh, okay. Like $300 down. And I think when we got there and we realized like the internet situation, it was like two megabytes up. Oh no. Yeah. And especially for, you know, like, like, re- like programs like pro tools. And when you have plugins, these things have constant updates and like we right. do a lot of, uh, updates on our Patreon and, um, you know, stuff like that too. And so same with like zoom and, and streaming, right. And even, 
if I wanted to like do any, like I wanted to like download something on my switch, I had to like drive an hour to go to Starbucks. So we had, we basically had like no internet out there. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, we went and got like, um, another, like, like, I think it was uh, T-Mobile has better coverage than whatever they had. Cause they just had like one of those little boxes too. So we got a T-Mobile oh, Okay. and it was a bit better, but that was more for like a, like for important stuff. Sure. So I, oh, we have like, to get someone on the Zoom, boot up the T-Mobile box. <laughs> yeah, so it's like we had to like download a update on the computer or, or whatever, you know what I mean? So like I couldn't really like so and it was because the reason it was like that because you had to, it's like pay as you go. Right. Okay. And so it was like it was. I think we paid like it was expensive. It was like a couple hundred bucks for, but for like forty gigs or something like that. Sure. And if you like plugged your own laptop into there, you had to make sure you didn't have like automatic updates like i didn't want right. to accidentally download a 16 gig world of warcraft update <laughs> right right yeah no like like it it is one of those things where it's like have like speed is kind of like if if you have a determinant to that factor in your like in your writing process and your recording process that shifts everything um, you know, and, and derails the entire entity. Yeah. So. And we, we had the place for a month and I think that we had one day off in the middle for Valentine's because Dan went home and actually that wasn't even really a day off because Michael wrote a new song that day. <laughs> and, and then, um, we had one day at the end of the 30 days Okay. that, and like, so like we finished tracking with like one day to spare. Wow. Okay. And, and, and if you, if you guys had like the fastest Wi-Fi in all the land, uh, do you think you would be, you would have been finished way quicker probably? No, no. I think like it was, that was about the, the, the best time. Like, like the, the, that Wi-Fi thing, like was just kind of annoying and we, and we got it sorted, but like sure. we had, we had 30 days to track this whole freaking thing. Got you. Okay. So you guys, okay. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. It was more on like some of the um downloading and uploading versus like yeah so okay well this is updating for 30 minutes let's you know work on this part you know while that's happening yeah so i would when i was talking to you and you're like oh do you want to like do it this weekend i'm like i like i don't even think it would work right right you know what i mean all... i think yeah exactly and then you finish the season and then um after we were recording we went to la to do like that video and do some other stuff too mm -hmm. and then um and then I came home at the end of March and had to quarantine for two weeks. Mm. And then it was just like kind of back to here we are now. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it is one of those things. Like, I think that's an experience that I would like to have on a recording front, like being able a to go somewhere like versus just like your, your normal, um, like local sphere, but also like being in like a remote location to like, really like we're here for the music to, that we're working on versus like, Oh, like you're, you know, in someone's space and then there's like stuff around that you can go like peter off and do that. Like it, it, that seems like a really fun time just to be like, we're out in the middle of nowhere and like, we're here to, to write riffs and, and breakdowns and, and all that sick shit. So it, it was really awesome. Like I had a great time. I think everyone had a great time out there because we had like a little gym set up and there was like, it was, beautiful to walk around yeah. um i definitely think though that everyone would like to record next time we do a record would love to do a record in a studio um 
but it was it it was awesome. But I like I don't even remember the last time I recorded a record, like a full length record in a, in a actual studio. It's always been like, you know, at someone's house or like mm-hmm. someone tracks and then sends it to someone else to mix and master and stuff like yeah. that. But, well, like especially right now, it's, it's different in multiple places in the world. But like like my band has had to do that where it comes to like okay, we're DI tracking here and then we're sending it to so and so um you know like a lot of studios just like well we can't we i can only have one person in the studio at a time versus like five to to ten people so i i hope that people can go back to that like regular studio environment um in in the near future but i think i think a lot of people like you like you were saying have truly adapted to just uh how they're actually putting out these uh these new songs of theirs yeah, and it's so much easier to get a decent sound than it was in the two th- early two thousands. You right. know what I mean? Like with like these like virtual amp plugins and right. you know a decent interface. Like it, it or you know yeah. Like so drums, superior drummer and stuff. Like it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But like, you spend way more money recording in a studio for a less better sounding thing when we were young. Yeah. What what's been like uh, one of the biggest ahas like when you're doing music stuff with spirit box compared to like when you were in textbook, like, Oh, like we did not have access to this when, when we were writing music or doing oh stuff. In the studio. Well, like I said, even just for me, like understanding, like with low tuning, cause like textbook played in like low tunings and stuff too. But like, um, like understanding like the proper instrument and strings and, and like how like us, like a wave works and stuff like that. Sure. Like I use this, use this like um this bass plugin called parallax it's a neural dsp plugin it's the best bass sound i've ever had and i was just like oh my god i'm like you know i'm like where's this been my whole life this right. is so <laughs> but back in the day it was like i remember the last textbook thing we did it was like plugged into the pod the pod pro and it was off off to the races right so Jeez. <laughs> the pod you know saving save, saving all the metal bands um yeah insane channel man it's, it's a it's a coveted thing yeah uh maybe that's a nice transition because i know that you're a big dingwall uh user i don't know if you're sponsored by them or you're just like you're a big dingwall yeah. fan oh you are that's yeah so cool um so like dingwall is interesting because i used to work at a music store in winnipeg and i rem i remember the day that we like started carrying them and like um the the guitar the guy who did all our guitar setups was a bass player and he was like he was just like it was like christmas for him he was just like there's i'm so excited that we're getting dingwall here so what is you know that that's a pretty like like sought after bass i think for a lot of you know like metal heads so like how was the change from like what base what base were you play- i don't even know if you're allowed to and you're like your contracts or whatever like what you played before c- compared to like how how much of a change that's been playing so- something of that magnitude yeah so like i was like primarily played fender bases my whole life i still love them they're awesome um and then in textbook i had like a specter and i had a and I Ernie Wall music band, but there was like seven, eight years I wasn't playing any heavy music. So mm-hmm. I had to really like research and like see what was going to be best. And um, so for low, low tuning, because we're in drop F sharp. Um, and I think we okay. have a, a new song. Yeah. And then we have a new song. I think it's like in double drop D, like an octave below drop D. 
Damn. That okay. we've had to do for two. So with the dingwall and with multi-scale instruments, the way that they work is that like the low strings are longer than the high strings. Yeah. So if you were to open up a piano and you were to hit a really low note and you open it up and you would see that string is longer because it's more, you need more tension. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that's a perfect uh, way of out like, or, or that's a perfect visual because like a piano normally, you know, if, if you're looking at a grand piano, it's not just a rectangle. Yeah. It kind of comes in a little bit when it gets to those higher strings. So yeah, that, that's a great way of, uh, of explaining that. Yeah. So, and a lot of times too, on, on five string instruments, the low string sounds completely different than the other four. Mm. And that's the reason is because that string should be longer. Um, multi-scale kind of, it has been around for a while, but I think Dingwall is the first company to do like, like they have an amazing custom shop in Saskatoon where they make all the, the custom stuff, but they do have, um, like uh, commercial models available. So they were the ones that could bring five to the Long McQuaid or the guitar center in your town and make it more accessible. And, you know, some, some custom stuff is like, like thousands and thousands of dollars. So right. the fact that you can get something that does that, like for a reasonably affordable price, like makes it so much easier for everybody to get into. Yeah. I didn't even realize that it, Dingwall is a Canadian company. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, like that makes sense that like hit, like shout out to Jake's <laughs> eagerness. Um but yeah, like those those bases seem to be like one of those like oh like when if I'm playing a, in a band that has like an insane tuning like that, like that's what I should go for versus trying to get like a Fender P bass and try to set it up and just, you know, struggle yeah. to no end. I get a, I get a lot of people like hitting me up and texting me. They're like, "Hey, they're like they're like um uh, I tuned to F sharp, but I can't get it to sound like, like yours. Like what string gauge do you use? I'm like, well, I do use like a, a bit of a heavier string gauge, but the clarity of that note comes from the scale, right? The scale length more than anything. So, yeah, I know a couple other companies are, are using it now are, are like, are messing around with multi-scale, but like those guys definitely like, they know what's up and like, that's their primary thing. That's what they do. And they're sure. the, the best sure. at it. So, um, you know, Spearbox is one of those bands that, um, you know, like you were saying, Mike is writing the music and I'm sure that he's, pl he's playing, uh, he's writing certain things with like, I'm a single guitar player, but like, you know, maybe this part like happens just once on this side on the left mm -hmm. or on the right. So, you know, I, I find that bands that have like a single guitarist and a single bass player kind of utilize the bass player as like a second guitar player, if that makes sense, like for certain parts. Um, um, like I would definitely say that a big part of the guitar sound of the band is how much our bass tone blends in with it. Yes. Yeah. So soup, like I have like, you know, I, like I said, I had that parallax plugin and the ding wall and it's like that mixed with, with Michael's sound is like a huge, huge, huge part of our sound. Um, but then, you know, there's like a lot of the in spirit box, there's a lot of that, like clean guitar, tappy and slap stuff that that it's doing. And a lot of people are like, oh, that crazy is crazy. I'm like, no, dude, that's guitar. You know, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm kind of doing some, some of the same stuff, but mm. um, a lot of times it's more laid back and he's just ripping. 
Yeah. No, like I, I think with uh circle with me, like that definitely is a song that you are, you know, kind of in the forefront a lot more. Cause there's like no guitar or like, it's so, so like in the back of the mix and you're like, just, just riding, riding along there. Cool. I like, I, it's, um, I don't think we had another, we have another song that's like that where you just get a lot of, a lot of bass in the verse. So right. it's, it's cool. Like I, I said, really lucky that I found that for, in my opinion, like the perfect sound. Yeah. Yeah. I have to really commend like whoever does all the mixing for your guys' stuff is like very intentional about not like everything is so crazy. Like I, I remember on Constance, like, like hearing when the chorus kind of kicks in, it's almost like, uh, the vocals aren't like so so loud to kind of match the the crazy instrumentation it's kind of pulled back but it like it fits super nicely there so whoever who's ever doing that has a an eye and ear for it for sure yeah Bronson is the man yeah um so the latest thing as far as the time of recording this that you guys have put out uh circle with me that was the uh video that you went down to um to LA for um yeah. was that the trip that you were DMing me that you didn't have enough changes of clothes and, and, and those things. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, cause so to continue on, sorry, with that story. So we, yes. we had planned to go down for a month to record and we were just going to record our record and probably come home. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, I'm going to be just like hanging out in some house. So I'm like a couple pairs, you know, restaurants aren't open. Right. Um, there's nothing to do. So I'm like, you know, a couple pairs of sweats, I think I brought like five t-shirts and, you know, I didn't want to bring like a ton of stuff with me anyway. I had like right. one suitcase. And then when we realized like, you know, with, the, with the, the quarantine, the Canada quarantine thing, it's like, well, what do we do? Go home quarantine for two weeks and then come back. Like, so I had really only packed for a month and we ended up coming, we ended up staying for two months. And then um, since we were all together, we did, you know, we did some photos and, um, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, I was just like, I did go to the mall and get some stuff, obviously, but I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, and I had had to tell my wife, I'm like, Hey, like I'm actually staying for two months, not one month. Right. Yeah. Um, because which, the, the quarantine time is just kind of like out the window. If you're like, well, we actually do have to come back here and then hundred percent. Like, yeah. And you know, like Michael and Courtney live in Victoria and I live in Vancouver. Um, we did the video with, um, with uh, our drummer Zev, who he like, he came and did that tour with us. Like, so he flew out and did, um, did the video. And it was like, well, when are we all gonna be together again? So we just like, we're like, well, we'll just stay a little bit longer and we'll get more content since we're all together. Yeah, no, it was funny when you were uh, messaging me about that. Cause it's just like, oh, like now, now you can remember like the, the certain things that you bought uh, for that trip, you're like, yeah, I bought this out of necessity because I was stuck in stuck in the states for a little bit longer yeah. than I wanted to be. Yeah, but it was it was awesome, man. I had such a good time. Like Michael and Courtney and I also don't obviously see each other a lot. Mm -hmm. And like other than that tour that we did in Europe last year, which I think that maybe I don't even know if it was two. We got two weeks in. It might have been like two and a half weeks. Like mm -hmm. that was the most time we've ever spent together. Got you. Yeah. And so it was like a good tour sim to be able to like live together in close quarters to like do all this stuff while we were together. And yeah, it, it was great. Like nobody, nobody got mad at each other the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think like 
you know, seeing that opportunity and again, like adapting to that and, and figuring out what's the, the best case to, you know, like allocate that time because it's the same thing with like, you know, I, I'm just starting to get messages from like different bands of like, hey, like we might be doing a release show like for this thing in September. Like, would you want to come down and film it? And I'm like, there's enough time from, you know, when we're recording this episode to that time where th like there might not be any like quarantining, it could get way worse. So like there's there's all these things that we're we're all just trying to do our best to to navigate. Everything I just... Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, so you guys put out that circle with me. Um, is my hypothesis that that song and Constance are going to be on something bigger down the line, or there are those just singles to prepare, you know, all the Spirit Box fans for uh, an entirely fresh set of uh, full-length songs? Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. When, when, when is this coming out? When are we going to post this? It could come out whenever. Um, so yeah, now, now it's the game of like, when are certain spirit box news and then the drops of that. So if you want to pick a date right now, we can for sure do that. Um, I'll tell you what, why don't we, I know that, we'll have some more news for people at the end of this month. And I think the end of this month is like in two weeks. Yes. So whenever that, when that happens, then we can, we can put that out. And then anyone that's interested in that will have their answer. Okay. Got you. So maybe, maybe what I'll do is I'll put this just before the May kind of turns over as like a, yeah, like May 1, May, oh, sorry, like like June 1, June 2, something like that. Yes, yeah. But yeah, it, it does sound like there are some things coming down the pipe, um, which I, again, I'm very excited for. Like, I remember, I remember I did a playlist for bands that I am eagerly awaiting that, like, first LP from, and you guys were kind of like, it's almost like I wanted to build that idea off of just, like, Spirit Box. And, like, there's a plethora of bands that are, like, just you know really planning out that first debut because like the first record can always like be a huge thing to you know if you if you thought holy roller was like a, a viral thing to take a band like just imagine what the album drop day of spirit box is gonna be so yeah we're we're so stoked man like i'm i can't wait for we all we can't wait for everyone to hear it because it was also you know with this whole coronavirus thing you know, it's been like two, two and a half years we've been working on this record. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's been like stuff that we like ended up writing more songs for this, you know, and it's just like, like we go back to saying like, wow, it'd been, everything would be totally different. And like some of these songs wouldn't even have existed if the record would have come out right last year or whatever. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, we're lucky that everything has gone the way it's gone so far. I mean, considering the state of the world, right? Right. Um, you know, as we start to wrap up, Bill, maybe, you know, like you were saying, like Spirit Box has done a little bit of touring, but maybe not to the degree of, A, what you guys are are clearly capable of, but also just like what, you know, every member of the band wants. What would be your dream, like, four-pack um, tour for Spirit Box to be on? Maybe you guys are on the opener slot, but you guys can choose the rest of the bands. Oh, of course. Oh man, there's, it's, it's, there's so much. Um, like we obviously once, once the world kind of gets back to normal, we want to be go, go as crazy as possible, but, um, 
like I said, I can only speak for me personally, but I think, you know, most people always want to say the Deftones headlining and then I'll just even be there like sweeping up in the parking lot. <laughs> they want me to be there. It's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, I think about like bands that we really like too. Um, Loathe, um, Sleep Token. Um, uh, do you know Darko? Do you know that band? Darko like d-a-r-k-o yeah so it's okay. like the it's um it's some guys some of the guys from uh sorry it's one guy from Amir, and then it's the, the singer of chelsea grin oh okay it's it, the new record it, it's really out there it's amazing okay so we're, we're all really pumped on that um gojira you know i don't know i'm just like i would just maybe i would just have a festival instead of four bands. yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah, I, I, I think that there are a lot, like, of all those bands that you listed, like, I think that those those acts really are, yeah, like, you guys are in line to play with a lot of those, like, you know, have, you know, having those, like, super metal, like, show experiences where it's, like, a sea of people. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for you guys. I really think what you, what that band is getting attention-wise is big for, you know, just Canadian music in general um and yeah i'm like it i i know i i just i feel in my gut uh despite feeling a little under the weather that it's gonna be absolutely insane for you guys so thanks dude i really appreciate it and thanks for having me it's awesome to finally get to have a chat yes um before we go the last section of the podcast that i always ask my guests is a favorite mosh story that they would like to share so it's it seems like you got one in the tank so far away um for whatever you got my favorite mosh story is, oh man, I, it was on um, the Comeback Kids Symptoms and Cures tour. And so it was, it was like us, it was like Living With Lions, Madball, Comeback Kid, Devil and Me, and Wilhelm Scream. I think that was a tour. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think, it was, I think that was the same one. It was something crazy. Um, but for some reason, Dan Marenka from the Hollywood Springs disaster was there, but I feel like we were in Montreal. But anyway... I come back in was playing and for some reason they put me in a laundry basket and like carried me out on stage and like kind of gently tossed the laundry basket into the thing. And I was just like sitting in this laundry basket and I went all over, all you around were crowd the surfing in a laundry basket. laundry basket. But then I like, I flipped out, like right. I fell out of the and like, you know, spun away, which was fine. But then like someone like picked it up the laundry basket and then smashed it over someone's head. Like, <laughs> All in fun, you know, it wasn't like bad, but it was just like the whole thing maybe lasted like four minutes, but it was just really funny from start right. to finish. Wow, that's too funny. I, I hope there's some video evidence of that somewhere out there in the ethos. I've seen a picture of it. Oh, okay. I might, I might be able to find the picture, but I don't know if there's any video. Okay, well, if you find the picture, maybe I'll just like impose it over oh, yeah? the screen or something. <laughs> Uh, well, Bill, this has been a really great chat. I uh, really appreciate uh, you making some time for me and... Again, like I, I don't just say it because you're on the podcast. I am very excited to see what Spirit Box is doing uh, in the next couple months and, you know, when shows are fully back in the mix. If there's anything you want to send the people off with, um, plug anything, do any shout outs, the floor is yours for whatever you got. Yeah, um, I don't know. Thanks for watching. Um, I hope you enjoy the Spirit Box record when it comes out, if that's your thing. <laughs> Yeah, sounds great. I really appreciate it. Of course, I'm gonna have to get some uh, some Topo Chico and give you a comprehensive review once I can, uh, you know, 
let that hit my lips. <laughs> I wonder if I like if I put one of these in like a poster tube with some peanuts, like some foam peanuts. Oh. If, it would, if I could. Uh, interesting. So okay, like not to extend the length of this episode, but that is something that I am trying to think about how to send bevs in an efficient way in the mail it's scary though because carbonated is you know that's risky right yeah you don't want something exploding in the uh canada post <laughs> but i do know that there is a beverage company here that like it's like the distributor for topo so maybe mm -hmm. you can like order a case from them i don't know we'll make okay. it work though yeah this is all stuff that we can talk off air but yeah i i appreciate you coming on bill awesome dude thank you so much